0: Good morning, glad to have everybody with us this morning, thank you for joining us today for worship, we got some more folks that are going to be coming in uh, over the next few minutes and we're glad to have you with us for those of you joining us online, thank you for joining us this morning, glad to have you as well. Uh, a couple of housekeeping things for us to take care of here at the beginning of worship, first of all, uh, for this service um, we're not requiring you to wear masks, there are some people who still choose to and you're welcome to do that if you want to, but we're not requiring uh, masks to be worn during this service. Um, so, let's see, what's the best way to explain it? So we finally got our, our uh, the enough, we got a certificate of occupancy so that we can use the other part of the building that's been, been being renovated. Is that good grammar? Seems like it is. Um, so we got kids classes this morning for third grade and younger. So if you got little ones and you wanna take advantage of that, if you just go right across uh, our lobby, we got a check-in area for them and then uh, they can go back there and be a part of, of kids' worship and classes while you continue to be in here with us. And you can do that at any point during our worship time this morning, uh, not just right now, but any time our worship today. If you want to take advantage of that, you're welcome to do that today. We are going to be taking communion together uh, this morning during our worship, and when that time comes, I want everybody to know you should have a, a communion cup on your chair. And uh, after we pray over the communion, if you'll just peel off the first lid, that's where you get the wafer, and then peel off the second lid and drink the juice, and that's how we'll take communion together. So I want you to be aware of that. Um, We will have uh, an opportunity also to take up an offering this morning. We won't be passing baskets around here, but if you brought... um some money with you that you want to to give uh, there will be baskets out in the lobby as you leave today you can drop your gift in there or you'll have the opportunity to give online and we'll have instructions about that um, up on the screen at the end of our worship time today so that's the housekeeping stuff that I want to take care of this morning again I'm excited to be worshiping with you today we had a great uh, time of worship together at nine o'clock and I'm ready to sing and pray and spend time in the Word with you guys together this morning so I'm going to ask God to bless our time of worship and then we're going to begin uh, praising him together let's pray Father God, thank you so much for letting us be here today. Thank you for the opportunity to sing songs and to pray and to uh, commune and uh, to listen to you speak to us through your word today. And Father, I pray that um, that we would hear you today. We would feel your presence in this place and that we would hear your voice speaking to us. And God, I pray especially this morning uh, for those who came into our doors or who who got online with us this morning, who are carrying some kind of burdens. There's something that's, that's weighing them down, maybe even something that's caused a disconnection between them and you. And I pray, God, that you would begin to lift those burdens, that you would begin to repair uh, what's been broken. And God, if there's somebody here this morning that's either online with us or in this room who doesn't have a relationship with you, they've never made that connection with you, that they would hear you calling them today and that they would want to have that that relationship starting today because of what they experience in worship with us. So we pray, God, that you go to work while we praise you together this morning. May everything we do uh, today draw us closer to you and and bring you honor and glory. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's get on our feet. Let's worship together.
1: Blessing and honor, glory (laughs) and power Be to the ancient of days From every every nation All of creation, bow before the ancient of days. Every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory. Every knee shall bow at your throne. In worship you be exalted, O God. And your kingdom shall not pass away, O ancient of days. Blessing and honor, glory and power be it to the ancient of days, from every nation, all of creation,
2: bow before the ancient
1: of days, every tongue in heaven and earth, shall declare your glory, every knee shall bow at your throne, in worship you be exalted, O God, and your kingdom shall not pass away, O ancient Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth, sing it to the Ancient of Days. For none can compare to Your matchless worth, sing it to the Ancient of Days. Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth, sing it to the Ancient of Days. For none can compare to Your matchless worth, Sing it to the ancient of days. Every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory, every knee shall bow at your throne. You worship, you will be exalted, O oh God, and your kingdom shall not pass away, O oh, ancient of days. O oh, ancient of days. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. Jesus, you're my firm foundation, I put my hope in your holy word, I put my hope in your holy word, Jesus, you're my firm
2: foundation, I
1: know I can stand secure, Jesus, you're my firm foundation, I put my hope in your holy word. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before. O oh my soul, how worship Your holy name. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawn. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name, you're rich in love and you're too. Soul, I, I worship, worship your Your holy name, Lord. I worship your holy name.
2: Morning. All right. So, when I first heard of the topic for the new series this morning, all I could think about was the greatest of all time, or the GOAT. So I'm gonna give you a list of my personal GOATs. For golf, Tiger Woods. For quarterback, Tom Brady. For guitarists, we have Jimi Hendrix. For basketball, LeBron James. I know he lost, give me a break. Um, Marshall Brown, church softball. <laughs> Kathy Hands, Cajun cooking. Uh, and after last night, Kevin Copps, best college pitcher. But obviously, God is a goat. Unlike these people, though, there's no debate. In First Kings 18, it's about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal set up their little altar with the bull. They pray and pray and pray. There's no answer. Elijah sets up his altar with the bull on top of it. The fire consumes it all. Why? Because there is no other God. It's just him. There's no competition, there's no debate, and that's what communion is here to remind us about, is that Jesus went and died for us, no competition, there's no debate, and this juice and crackers is nothing but a reminder. Let's pray. Thank you for gathering us all here today on yet another Sunday in the beautiful weather this past week. I thank you most importantly for your son who died on the cross that day, taking all of our sins so we may be with you. Please speak through Marshall this morning and help us guide as we try to walk in your light. It's in your son and we pray. Amen.
1: Please stand with me as we seen the song before Marshall's new lesson this morning. Goat, Deck, that was a good job. Uh, Marshall, probably don't even need to preach now because that was that was it. So we'll just do the invitation. No, I'm just kidding. Let's we'll sing this one. Then Marshall will be right up. Mm. Everyone, needs Everyone needs compassion, compassion a love, love that's never failing. Let mercy, mercy fall on me. Everyone, Everyone needs forgiveness. forgiveness. The kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave, so take me as you find me, all my fears and failures, Feel Cocker the grave shine light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen king. Jesus shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory. Of the risen king. Jesus, Mighty to save, he is mighty to save forever. Conqueror of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. The Please be seated.
0: I told Declan I didn't even have to preach this morning. He already took everything I was going to say, so thanks for coming. No, I'm just kidding. I got an hour's worth of stuff to say, it, and I'm kidding about that too, but we are talking about the goat this morning, and if you hadn't heard that term before, Uh, I, it's all over social media and different, uh, I don't know, TV shows, and it's become fairly common. Um, The greatest of all time, the GOAT, and mostly when when this, when this phrase started to be used, when this acronym started to be used, it it usually referred to, you know, uh, a discussion about athletes, who's the greatest athlete in this particular um, sporting event, so who's the GOAT? Is it Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Obviously, it's Michael Jordan. I feel sorry for Declan that he doesn't realize that. But one of these days, he'll figure it out. Um, it, it, who's the greatest golfer? Declan said Tiger Woods. I wouldn't necessarily disagree. There's, there, some people think the goat is, is uh, Jack Nicklaus. I mistakenly in our 9 o'clock service said Jack Nicholson. Okay. <laughs> Tiger's better than Jack Nicholson. Agreed. But some people like Jack Nicklaus um, better than Tiger Woods. Muhammad Ali used to call himself the greatest, so maybe he's a self-proclaimed goat being the greatest of all time. Uh, Jason Mosley was telling me that Simone Biles, the gymnast Simone Biles, uh, who a lot of people consider to be the goat of gymnastics, the greatest of all time, she actually has a goat sewed into one of her um, one of her leotards while she was, you know, doing gymnastics. There was a goat in, in, uh, bedazzled onto her onto her outfit thing. So. Um, Maybe she's a goat. But then, you know, this, this concept moved beyond discussions about sports, and, and now there's all sorts of questions about, you know, what's the, what's the goat when it comes to, to movies? What's the greatest movie of all time? Who's the greatest actor? Greatest actress? What's the goat when it comes to candy bars? What's the greatest candy bar of all time? Uh, what, you know, you can apply it to automobiles. What's the goat uh, automobile? What's the goat vacation destination? If you're going to go someplace on a trip, What's the GOAT? What's the greatest place of all time to go? Um, there's discussions about even superheroes. First of all, is the GOAT DC or is it Marvel? And then you got, well, is it Superman or is it, I don't know what the Marvel comparison would be. Whoever the GOAT is for Marvel that compares to Superman, who, you know, which one's the GOAT? Which, what's the greatest, here's a discussion that I could, if I let you guys loose on this, this would take the rest of our time. What's the greatest country song of all time? You know, is it, is it, which, which decade are we talking about, right? 60s, 70s, like even more recently. I mean, we can have all these discussions, and people do have these discussions, debates, back and forth, arguments, and they, and they have these discussions face-to-face, and they have them on the news, and, and different commentators and analysts uh, have different opinions on who's the goat about a particular thing, and then people get on social media, and they even have the little goat icons in, in their uh, messages about, you know, this person is the goat. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about the goat, the greatest of all time. But we're going to to talk about the greatest, some of the greatest Bible characters um, of all time. There's there's a particular aspect of these different Bible characters' lives that we see and and we recognize. They might be the greatest at that particular thing, or at least for that particular moment. Uh, And we want to look at that. We want to look at why, why they experienced What they experience and what we can learn from that ourselves. For example, today we're going to talk about the greatest fire starter of all time. We're going to talk about Elijah and the fire that he started, and and it's it it is probably a story that's familiar to many of you. uh, But in case it's not that familiar to you, maybe you've maybe there's some folks that never heard it before, or maybe it's been a long time since you heard it. I want us to be reminded and all be on the same page why Elijah is the goat when it comes to fire starting. So. If you got your Bibles or your Bible apps, go to 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, that may not be a, a book that we turn to that often, so that's in the Old Testament, about halfway through the Old Testament. Uh, and, and you can look in your table contents and go to 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, we're not going to read verse by verse, but you can kind of follow along and make sure that I'm getting um, some of the facts straight. But let me give you kind of a... Kind of a lead into what's happening here in 1 Kings chapter 18. There's, you got God's chosen people, the people of Israel. And they were supposed to follow God, they're supposed to love God and obey God and do all the things that God wanted them to do, and yet they have a history of not doing those things. And, and for several decades leading up to 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, they've been following other gods. And there were there was a God named Molech that they followed, and there was a, god, a goddess named Asherah that they would that they would worship. And one of the predominant gods of the time was Baal. And they were, they were worshiping Baal. They were offering sacrifices to Baal. And Baal was one of these gods that um, he, was, he was a fertility god. And so Baal controlled the weather. And uh, they would pray to Baal and ask him to make it rain so that their crops would grow. And, he would, and they would ask for him to produce more livestock. And, and even, even when it came to procreation, their own families, they would pray to Baal and ask for more kids uh, and they would even, because he was a, he was a fertility guide, they would go to the temple of Baal and they would, have, they would have sex with these prostitutes in worship of Baal so that Baal would bless their homes uh, with more crops and more livestock and more kids, whatever it was that they were needing. That's what was going on in Israel. They completely walked away from their relationship with God and they were worshiping Baal. And one of the main proponents of that was a guy who was king of Israel at the time, and his name was Ahab. And Ahab. Uh, the scripture tells us one of the most evil kings that Israel had and they had several in their history but he he, if we're talking about the goat he was the goat of evil kings uh, for Israel because scripture even says that nobody had been as bad just morally bad as Ahab was before Ahab was reigning and then everybody after him that even had bad character flaws they were compared back to Ahab that's how bad he was So when we get to 1 Kings chapter 18, we find a a, a guy that God had picked to be one of his messengers, one of his prophets. His name was Elijah. And Elijah had prayed and asked God to not allow it to rain in Israel for three years. Three years Israel had gone without rain. Now, that in essence is God already showing his power compared to Baal's. Because if you got Baal being the God who is in control of the weather, including the rain that falls and makes the crops grow, and you go for three years with no rain... God is already kind of flexing his muscles a little bit going, um, I'm, I'm more powerful than this Baal character that you guys keep worshiping because I'm in control of the weather and not him, right? But it doesn't rain for three years. And then Elijah sends, when we get here to chapter 18, Elijah sends a message to Ahab and says, let's meet. Let's meet on this mountain that's called Mount Carmel. And let's, let's get there and you bring the, the 450 priests and prophets of Baal with you. And we're going to have a contest, and the rules of the contest were this. Elijah going to build an altar. The, the priests and prophets of Baal are going to build an altar. Elijah going to put wood on his. They're going to put wood on theirs. He's going to put a sacrifice on his, some kind of animal carcass, and they're going to do the same thing on theirs, but we're not going to light it. And what we're going to do is we're going to take turns praying to our gods. And whichever god will actually send fire and light the sacrifice on fire, that's the one that, that everybody's going to worship from now on. Agreed. That's what they—that's what they decide to do. So the 450 priests and prophets of Baal show up, along with I guess a big crowd, a whole bunch of people show up to watch this this event. They prepare the altars, they prepare the sacrifices, and they get ready. And Elijah, you know, courteous gentleman that he is, says, "You guys go first. And so these priests and prophets of Baal they start doing I guess whatever chance and. Uh, and prayers and things that they know to do, and they start calling out to Baal, Baal, please send fire down and light this sacrifice, and, and you know, nothing's happening, and they, and they shout louder, and they dance more, and nothing's happening. This starts in, in the morning and goes all the way to lunchtime, and one of my favorite parts of this story is that Elijah actually starts talking smack to these guys and starts making fun of them a little bit. And he says, you know, you need to shout louder. And maybe, maybe he can't hear you. I mean, he's a God. Maybe he's, maybe he's kind of, there's a distance there. And so you need to be louder. And he goes on from there. He says, you know, maybe, maybe he's thinking and you're really going to have to get a hold of him. And then if you go back to the, the original ancient Hebrew that this was written in, Elijah basically says, maybe, Maybe he's using the bathroom right now, and you need to be really loud and get his attention. And then he goes over there and he says, well, maybe he's on a trip. He's on a distance, some far away. He's going to have to get real loud. And I don't know if the priests and prophets of Baal didn't realize they were being made fun of or just didn't care, but they, they do it. They do it. Like, Elijah's like, you need to be louder. like, okay, let's get louder. And they scream louder, and and they jump up on the altar that the sacrifice is on, and they're begging Baal to send fire, and they start cutting themselves, and they're bleeding like crazy, and they're screaming and yelling and carrying on, and nothing is happening. And when the sun is about to go down, so they've done this all day, and when the sun is about to go down, Elijah says, okay, okay, my turn. And he gets the sacrifice ready and he says, you know what, let's take some water and let's pour that on the sacrifice. And they take, they take four buckets of water and they pour it on the sacrifice. He says, you know what, do that again. They do it again. He says, let's do that one more time. And so for the third time, so 12 buckets of water get poured over the wood and the animal, which makes it less flammable. And then he bows the knee to God and he says, in essence, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says, God, show these people who you are. And fire comes down from heaven, and it incinerates the sacrifice and the wood and dries up all the water that's been running down off of this thing. And I don't know what that looked like. I, don't, I, mean, I wish I did. I, I wish I could have seen it it would have been amazing just to see this, this fire. I don't know if it's a fireball or just a, a mass of fire. I don't know what it looked like, but it came down and, and incinerated this whole thing. But it's so impressive. To the people that are watching, they all drop to their knees and they cry out, "The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God." And it's just a, it's this amazing event that Elijah kind of fosters here, and it's it's God that's doing this. I mean, it's God that sends the It's God that answers the prayer. But it's Elijah that that you know created this whole this whole uh, opportunity, and so that's why I think Elijah is the greatest fire starter of all time. I mean, he asked God to send fire from heaven, and he did it. I mean, who's better than that? I don't know anybody that ever did that before, Elijah, and I'm not sure that anybody's done it since. So, when we talk about the goat, when we talk about the goat of fire starting, I think it's got to be Elijah. But, as we look at this story, I I want you to see, I mean, if you'll bear with me for a minute, this is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. I know I have several of those, but this is one of them. And, I want you to to know, or at least to hear from me how, like, I I personally know how difficult, difficult may not be the right word, but it it could only be God that did this. Because many years ago, we tried to reenact this story. And I'll make this as brief as I can. Some of you heard the story before, so I'll make it quick. But when I first started uh, youth ministry a long time ago, I was working at the Southside Church over in Rogers, and we had uh, one summer, that first summer that I was there, actually the second summer I was, anyway, it doesn't matter. We, um, very early on in my youth ministry career, we had Vacation Bible School. How many of y'all remember going to Vacation Bible School? How many of y'all taught or did something in Vacation Bible School? All right. God bless you. All right. So Vacation Bible School is this thing where you have a whole bunch of kids show up and you teach them Bible stories, and you do crafts, and you sing songs, and you eat cookies and drink Kool-Aid. And it's this wonderful time in the summer where you get together for a few days. And, and basically, you're fostering this, this relationship with, with God for these kids. And it's really fun. It's really awesome. And I'm glad that we, that we did it even, you know, it's exhausting to do. But this particular year that we were doing Vacation Bible School at Southside, we were going through different Bible characters. and and telling the stories of these different Bible characters. One of them was Elijah and the prophets of Baal and this this sacrifice. And so when I had been in college, which had just been like a year or two before this particular vacation Bible school, uh, I had seen this, this, I had been at this devotional thing where they had some type of flammable thing uh, that they lit on fire and sent it across a cable and it hit this bigger thing, that whole thing lit up and went on fire. And so I was like, we can do something like that with, you know, the story of, um, Elijah. So what Southside had at the time, as part of their facilities, they had what we call Bible Land. And It was this, this area outside. It was rocks and dirt, but they had built kind of this concrete looking house. that looked like a house from ancient times. And so when you reenact the Bible stories, you know, even miracles of Jesus and stuff like that, you'd use this, this house. And there was another doorway that, that they kind of built the front of what looked like the front of a castle over that. And there were some, you know, other props and things. So we're out there in Bible Land for this um, event with uh, this story of Elijah. And I say, you know, I can, I can get up here on the roof uh, behind this castle looking thing where you can't see me. And we can have a fishing line going down from the roof down to uh, this altar. And, and uh, then I'll just, because I had seen this done before, we'd, we'd done this uh, camping before, where people had taken a roll of toilet paper and put it in a coffee can with, like, diesel fuel and lit that up, and it just, it would burn for a really long time, provide, you know, light and stuff at at the campsite. I was like, we can, we can put lighter fluid all over a roll of toilet paper, and then we got a fishing line. I'll send it down the fishing line. It'll look like a fireball from heaven, and it'll hit the, it'll hit, hit the altar, and it'll look like God is sending fire from heaven. Not only that, we went a step further. We thought, okay, um, when they pour the water on the sacrifice, that can actually be lighter fluid. So we had these cans of lighter fluid, and they, we had, I don't know why y'all are laughing. We had this, this wood set up in this little concrete altar thing. And so when it was time to pour water on, they're just all dumping lighter fluid on this thing. So we send the fire down, you know, it's gonna flame up and it's gonna be, the kids are gonna be so amazed. And I said, well, let's, let's try it first before we actually do it. So we go out that afternoon we, and we get the lighter fluid, we get, you know, the pour it on the wood, and I tied a, a fishing line to one of the sticks of wood uh, in, the, in the altar place, and I was up on the roof, and I squirted lighter fluid all over this thing, put the fishing line through, lit it on fire, let it go down the line, and it shot right down the line into the altar, lit up. I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. I mean, it worked like a charm. I was like, the kids are going to love this. They're going to really get into this story, the fire comes from heaven, so excited about this, so our vacation Bible school was at night, so the kids show up that night, and we have four groups that came through, and the youngest kids came first, it's probably like, I, I'm guessing like three or four year olds, or something like that, and they're all sitting out there, and we're acting out the story, and the priests and the prophets of Baal are over there, and, and uh, we kind of, you know, use them to be the ones that pour the water on the sacrifice, and I'm sitting up there behind the, the thing, they can't see me, and you can't see the fishing line, it's clear, you know, so they don't, and, and you know, the kids weren't really paying attention anyway, and I dust the thing lot lighter fluid, and get it on the fishing line, I light it up, send it down, it gets about halfway down the line, and it melts through the fishing line, and so the trajectory was off, so it was going this way, and then it melts through, and just drops straight down, so it missed the altar by about that much, and just lands on the ground, so the way we were telling the Bible story is, God sent fire from heaven, but he missed, is what happened, and so Thankfully, one of the uh, prophets of Baal went over and got a stick and flipped the flaming ball into the altar, and it lit up. And Okay, all right. So, you know, and all right. That didn't work the way it was supposed to. So when they leave, we got a little bit of time before the next group comes up. So we're getting everything set up, and they're like, hey, don't put so much lighter fluid on it. And maybe that's the problem. It's just, it just got too hot. There's too much fluid there, so don't put as much on it this time. You know, it's going to flame up because it's toilet paper, and just send it down the line. So, okay, no problem. So... Next group comes in, and, you know, my cue comes, lighter fluid, put it on the line, light it on fire, send it down, about halfway down the line, I kid you not, halfway down the line, the flame goes out. And so the roll of toilet paper lands in the altar. So again, the way we told the story to that group of kids was God sent a roll of toilet paper from heaven and landed in the altar. And it it just, you know, it just lands, and it's it's crickets. It's that moment of silence, like nobody knows what to do. And so finally, one of my buddies who is a prophet of Baal walks over and just kind of stands below me He's like, throw down the lighter. And so so God drops a lighter from heaven and the prophet of Baal goes over and lights the sacrifice and it flames up. And okay, so it didn't work that time. All right, we got it this time, right? So next group comes in, a little bit older kids. I get my cue, put, put a little more fluid on it this time. But apparently still not enough because, again, same thing, I'm not kidding. You, same thing happened. About Halfway down, the flame goes out. So God sends another roll of toilet paper from heaven uh, instead of a, of a ball of fire. And then when it hits the, the um, sacrifice, this time we thought ahead of time, and the prophet of Baal had his own lighter. And so he walked over and helped God out and lit that thing up. And that's, you know, that Bible story. I'm just so frustrated at this point. I was just so like, it, it worked. It was supposed to work. The last group comes in, which is like the oldest kids, like fourth and fifth graders. And they come in and we did everything. And it actually worked. The last group that we probably actually remembered that whole thing happening, it actually worked for them. But I share that story with you this morning because of what, like for me personally, I recognize, man, to even try to mimic what God did in that moment is hard to do. I mean, I think part of the reason that Elijah, or that God told Elijah, let's meet on the mountainside was so there couldn't be any tricks, there couldn't be, they couldn't plant any incendiary devices inside a temple or something. God basically was saying, my full power is gonna be on display. And I'm the only one that can do this. And if you try to do what I'm doing, and if you you think you have a God that can do what I do, you're horribly mistaken. And in that moment, it wasn't a toilet paper roll. It was fire from heaven. The God sent down, and people recognized, "Man, the Lord, He's God." And I share that story with you this morning. I, I want us to look at this story this morning because I think there's more happening here than just God proving that He's God. I think there's more happening here than God just performing this this amazing miracle, as amazing as it is, as important as it is, and and and. Uh, As significant as it is for us to recognize God's power in making this happen, there's something. There's there's another miracle happening besides fire coming from heaven. I want us to, to see that that when the when the fire came from heaven, when God when God struck that sacrifice with fire, there was more that was being. There was more that was that was that was being lit to flame, than just this animal carcass on this pile of stones. There, is, there were there was a stagnant faith that was being stirred up again there was a there was a broken connection between god and and his people that was starting to be repaired there were people who used to have maybe even used to have a connection with god a relationship with him and used to have kind of a fire inside of them because of that connection that relationship and and it was it was rekindled again because of what god did in that moment and to me that's that's the real miracle in this story. To take a whole bunch of people who are convinced that either there isn't a God or are convinced that they don't want to have anything to do with that God to suddenly say, the Lord, He is God. And I want to be in connection with Him. That's amazing. And I believe God can still work that way. I believe God can still, can still rekindle that fire in our own hearts. But I recognize that there's times in, in our lives, at least in my own life, when my faith has become stagnant. Maybe you've experienced that as well. It's not that you just completely stop believing and just say there is no God. It's just, I'm, I, 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 just I don't really act on it. I kind of believe that there's God. I, I guess I believe there's God, but I'm not really, I'm not really living my, my life like I expect Him to do anything. I kind of had this relationship with God, but it's distant. I haven't completely walked away from it. I haven't completely turned away from it. But it's, I, there's a distance there that didn't used to be there. I used to have this zeal, this enthusiasm, this fire This fire inside of me, I mean, Scripture talks about that several times. The prophet Jeremiah says, man, my my connection with God is like a fire burning inside of me. And and maybe there's times in my life when I feel that way. I feel, man, I am on fire for God right now. I am on fire for being the person that he's calling me to be and doing the things that he's calling me to do. But I know there's other times in my life, even as paid clergy, there's times in my life where that fire is just not there. Maybe some of us go for a long time. With just smoldering embers of what used to be a huge fire in our hearts and souls for God. And it's not anymore. And it happens for a variety of reasons. It could be just priorities got in the way, time got in the way, busyness. We just got focused on something else instead. Maybe, maybe it's actually sin. I know it's not cool to talk about sin anymore in our culture nowadays but maybe there are things that I am doing and, and some habits that I have that are ungodly and because I'm doing things that, that are completely against the nature of God it has caused a distance between me and God and the fire that I used to have is now starting to die out maybe it's maybe, maybe I've been maybe it's doubt that's causing that fire to go out it's not that I completely lost faith, man. I prayed about some stuff, and I've expected God to do something. He didn't do it, or He didn't do it when I thought He was going to, or He didn't do it how I thought He was going to do. He didn't answer my prayers the way that I was wanting to be answered. And whatever the reason is, however many times it happened, now it's causing my faith to kind of dwindle a little bit. It's causing that flame to die down. Maybe I've been, maybe I've been hurt by some, some church people. And these are the people that wear the name of God. These are the people that say that they're trying to be who God calls them to be, and yet they treat me the way that they do. And that's hurtful. Why, why would I want to be a part of a relationship with God if that's, if that's what his people are like? And it could be any number of those reasons. You could even come up with something else, some other reason that whatever, however strong the fire used to be, it's not anymore. And maybe you're not there right now. Maybe you have this fire that's burning inside of you for God. You feel close to him. You feel that connection. You feel his presence. You hear his voice. But I guarantee you know somebody that's struggling with that, that, doesn't, that maybe used to have that fire and they don't anymore. And so what I want to share with you for a few more minutes this morning is, is some things that, that we can do, that I can do when that fire starts to die out, when that connection seems to be severed, some things that I can do to make that better. And the first thing that I have to do, when that fire started to go out in my own heart for my relationship with God, I got to stop flip-flopping. I got to stop going back and forth. I need to stop, I need to stop the, the cycle of choosing to be the person God wants me to be and then choosing to be something else and then choosing to be God's person and then choosing to be something else. I need to quit going back and forth. I need to choose. It's interesting, if you look at, at, at Israel's history, I mean, if you read through, I mean, start with the book of Exodus and go through the rest of the Old Testament, that God's people struggled with flip-flopping back and forth. And they would, they would be following God, and they'd say, God, we want to be your people, and we want to obey you, we want to obey your commands, and then give it a little bit of time. And then they'd find these other gods and goddesses, and oh, we like these people over here, and we like the way that they're worshiping. Let's do that. And then things would go back for a while. And they're like, ah, you know what? We love you, God. Uh, we want to be your people. We want to do the things you call us to do. And then give it a little bit of time. they like, ah, we like that God. We like that goddess. We like how, how those people worship over there. And then things would go back again. They'd be like, you know what, God? We're sorry. Uh, We're going to stay over here and we're going to be with you except now I like this guy. And they just keep going back and forth. And that's actually what Elijah addresses at the beginning of this contest on the mountain. Look in 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 21. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. The people said nothing. You know those times when You've probably done something, you made a mistake, or you were doing something you shouldn't do, and somebody called you on it, and you got no response because they're right. That's what's happening in this moment right here. Because if you go back again to the ancient Hebrew language this text was originally written in, with this word that that we have uh, on our screens, this word waver, how long you waver between two opinions, that Hebrew word was the Hebrew word for, for hopping, jumping over something. And Elijah's basically saying, how long are you going to hop? How long are you going to be like, God, we love you. We're going to be your people. Okay, Baal, now we love you. And we're going to be the kind of people you want to be. No, 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 God, we, we're going to follow the Ten Commandments and all the other rules and sacrifices. No, 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 we like Asherah the Molech, and all the things that y'all are doing over here. No, 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 we like God again. Elijah's saying, you're hopping back and forth. You're flip-flopping. How long are you going to do that? Because it's exhausting. It's going to be exhausting for you. It's already exhausting to God. And he called them on it, and they had no response because he was right. Jesus addressed this for us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. You can't flip-flop back and forth. He says, either you'll hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says, you can't do it. You can't serve both at the same time. So you got to pick. Pick. Now, if you go on reading there in Matthew chapter 6, he says, you can't, he says you can't serve both God and money. But we could fill in any other thing in the blank there besides money. You can't serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and your addiction. You can't serve both God and 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 your resentment and anger, you can't serve both God and your social status. Whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever it is that, that you choose on a regular basis to make more important in your life than God is, that becomes your master. And Jesus says you can't, keep, you can't do both at the same time, and you need to stop going back and forth. It's exhausting. It's unhealthy. And actually, you can't do it. Because if you don't choose God, if you say, well, I can't choose. I mean, I like God, but I like this other stuff. Well, you've already made your choice. And what you're really saying is, I like this other stuff. If the flame that I have burning for my God has started to go out, one of the things I need to stop doing is flip-flopping. I also need to start seeing things as they really are. I need to start seeing things in my life as they really are. And sometimes the reason that I'm struggling with my faith or struggling with my connection with God or maybe even my connection with my church family is because I'm not not—I'm I'm choosing to not see things as they really are. I can look at issues in my life. I can look at things that probably need to be different, some, some areas that I need to make a change. But instead of actually being honest about that, and instead of actually acknowledging that, I'll, I'll rationalize it. And I'll say, well, you know, I mean, here's the reason why. Here's here's why that's a problem. or, or you know, I'll, I'll go beyond rationalizing and, and I'll just excuse it. Yeah, I know it's a bad thing, but I mean, is it really that big a deal? I mean, it's not that big a problem. I, I, it's not that big an issue. It's, it's not like I'm killing somebody. That'd be bad. This isn't that bad, right? Or I can go so far as just to deny it altogether. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not a problem. That's not an issue in my life. That's not causing anything between me and God. When I do those things, I'm actually choosing to put on blinders and not see things as they really are. This is a problem. This addiction, this habit, this attitude, this relationship, this stuff, whatever it is, it's causing a problem. And I need to see it that way. I need to see it for what it really is. And I need to see How much of a problem is causing in my life? And be honest about that. When Elijah is, you know, looking at these prophets of Baal, they're shouting, they're cutting themselves. They're shouting even louder when he taunts them. They're jumping up on the altar and saying, Baal, you know, send fire down. I'll sacrifice myself. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 29, look at the response. The author of 1 Kings says there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. It wasn't working, And they were still doing it. This started in the early morning. When they started crying out and yelling and screaming. And and that didn't work. And they screamed louder. And they ended up cutting themselves all day long. It wasn't working and they still kept doing it. Why? Because they wouldn't see things as they really were. This is a fake God. This is a statue. This had no power whatsoever. No, 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 no. If we yell louder, something will happen. If we cut ourselves, something will happen. They were refusing to see Baal for what Baal really was. Does that make sense? And I wish that I could point back thousands of years ago, those, those people. Glad I'm not like that. And yet I find myself all the time rationalizing, making excuses, denying that there's really a problem. Continuing in the same actions, continuing to have the same attitude, and then pretending that everything's fine. Trying to convince other people of that, trying to convince myself of that. And Paul even addresses that in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 19. He says, There's people who have lost all sensitivity, they've grown callous. He says they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Paul says there are people who do things that God doesn't want them, uh, do things that God doesn't want them to do and, and, and stays connected with people that God says that's a bad relationship for you and they keep doing it and they keep going back to it and they keep rationalizing and excusing all the reasons why they go back to it and why they keep doing it to the point that it doesn't even bother them anymore. They don't even recognize that it's a problem in their lives. The fire has gone out. The connection seems to be severed. No, 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 everything's fine. We don't see things as they really are. And until we start seeing things, until we start seeing the sin, the struggle, the hurt, for what it really is, we're never gonna be in a place where that fire can be rekindled again. I also need to repair what's been broken down. I need to repair what's broken down. Now, I want to clarify. If there's something in my life that needs healing, if there's something that needs to be fixed, if there's repairs needing to be done, my God is the ultimate healer. My God is the one that has the power to fix anything. So I want to acknowledge that. But when it's my connection with him, when it's my relationship with him that's broken, that's in need of repair, there needs to be effort on my part to do something to reconnect. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 18. When Elijah's ready to make his sacrifice, in verse 30 it says, he calls all the people, and he says, come here to me. And they came to him, and he says, he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. At some point, sometime before this contest, someone had built an altar here. This had been a place where people could go and, and find God's presence. They could worship him. They could talk to him. They could feel his presence there. They could connect with God in this place. But in this moment, it was all broken down. It was in ruins. And there's, there's the physical altar, but I want you to see the spiritual thing that, that's going on here. There, was, there used to be a place where people could find connection with God, and it wasn't there anymore. And Elijah started building that back again. Said, I, I, we need to have that place again. And folks, when I look at my own life, sometimes the reason that I don't, the fire's not burning anymore. The connection's not there anymore. Is, the reason for that is I haven't created a place for God to meet me in my life. There used to be a place there. My heart used to be open. I used to listen for his voice. I used to seek his presence. But for whatever reason, that place is broken down. And maybe it's habits, maybe it's addictions, maybe it's a friendship, whatever it is, it's in ruins now. And my God wants to be connected with me. He wants me to hear his voice. He wants to light that fire again. But I haven't created the place for it. And until I do... It's not going to happen. God is talking to a church, several churches in the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. In Revelation chapter 2, he says to one of these churches in verses 4 and 5, you have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. God says, you guys have walked away. I'm still here. You walked away from me, but I want you back. I want us to have what we once had. Let's get where we were. Let's fix what's broken. Let's, let's start over. And folks, that's what I need to do in my life. And, and maybe, maybe there's some things that, that I need to help make that happen. Maybe I need to get into Bible study more, start praying more, spend some more time with some more Christian folks who struggle like I do. There's all sorts of different ways to do that. But I need to make a conscious effort to, to build back and repair back the place where I used to meet in my heart with my God so that that can happen once again, so that that fire can be rekindled. And I also need to expect a response. I need to expect a response from God. I need to expect something to happen. Sometimes when I, when I have felt distant from God, I, you know, I wish things were better. I wish for that boy, it'd be nice if, if I felt closer. It'd be nice if I felt that fire again. Maybe you felt that way too. Maybe you maybe you've been to uh, you know watched a, a different uh, sermon online or heard, you know been to a conference or something, you hear people talk about their relationship, their connection with God and all those kinds of things. You think to yourself, man, that'd be nice. But I doubt that it's going to happen for me. And we already decide ahead of time that it's not actually going to happen. Or if it does happen, that it's not going to last. If this fire starts again, if I reconnect with God again, then I'm just going to, I'm going to flip-flop back again. And I'm not going to have that connection anymore. The fire's going to die out. I've seen other people try, and they fail, I'll probably fail. I've tried before, and I failed. I'll probably fail again. Or maybe it's just, it's not happening as fast as I want it to, so you know what, I'm going to quit trying altogether. And whatever the reason is, we lose our sense of expectation. We don't expect God to actually rekindle that flame. And because we don't expect it, it doesn't happen. Look at Elijah's prayer when he asked God to send this fire. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 37, he says, Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. There, there's a piece of this that I missed for the longest time. I see where where Elijah has this confidence. He's calling out to God, God, please answer. God, please send fire and let these people see it. But the one piece of this verse I missed for the longest time, I want to make sure we see it today, is what he says at the end of this. I want people to know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. I don't want to get too deep into the grammar, but it's significant that he says you are turning their hearts. He doesn't say you will one of these days. He doesn't say you might turn their hearts. What does he say? God, you're already doing it. So keep making it happen. There is a sense of expectation that Elijah has when he prays to God for God to send this fire. He's not crossing his fingers going, God, God I sure hope you send fires. It would be really embarrassing if you didn't. He's going, God, I I know you're already turning hearts. I want them to see it, so make it happen. I expect you to send this fire. I expect these hearts to be turned because you've already started doing it. Do you see the difference? There's an expectation that Elijah had probably before he ever went on the mountain in the first place that God was going to rekindle this flame. Can the same be said about me? Do I expect God to listen to the answer? When things between me and God are broken down, when they've grown stale and stagnant, when things seem to be falling apart, do I recognize that I can ask, God, can we get back to where we once were and believe that he's already moving to action? Because that's what John says, happens. If you go all the way almost the end of your Bibles in 1 John, chapter 5. Begin verse 14, John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. This is the expectation that we can have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that, that we have what we have asked of him. John says, I... Expect God to listen to my prayers. And I expect God not just to listen to my prayers, but to move to action. That's what John says about himself. He says, we all have the ability to do that as children of God. Do I really believe that to be true? Can you tell by the way that I pray? Can you tell by the way that I, the time I spend in the work? Can you tell by the way that that I treat other people that I am actually expecting God to be an active part of my life? that I believe that He is real, that I believe that He listens, that I believe that He is already moving to action in areas of my life before I even ask Him to, do I really expect that to happen? Because until I have that expectation, I won't see the fire. I won't feel that flame being rekindled. It'll still feel cold and stagnant. If I want to have this relationship again if I want to fix what's broken if I want God to forgive my failures and break any chain that's weighing me down and get us back to where we once were I've got to stop flip-flopping I got to see things as they really are I've got to repair what's broken down I've got to expect my God to respond that's how we get a fire started in our own lives Elijah's a goat when it comes to fire starting. I don't know anybody that ever did what he did. Now, in the movies, one of the better fire starters was Tom Hanks in the movie Castaway. Y'all remember that movie? If you haven't seen it, I don't think what I'm going to share with you is going to spoil it, but it's a significant piece of the movie. So I'm just telling you that ahead of time. But in the movie Castaway, Tom Hanks is, is this guy that's in a plane crash and he ends up on a deserted island by himself and one of the things he's got to figure out how to do is he's got to figure out how to start a fire. And there's this whole um, process to it. And you see him at different points in the movie where he gets a stick and he starts, you know, trying to rub the stick and, and get a flame going. And, and the flame finally barely starts going. And he gets some brush and piles it on. The flame gets a little bit, a little bit bigger. And, and, and then, you know, a few minutes later, it shows him on the beach at nighttime. There's this huge bonfire uh, you know, that he's got going, and he's, and he's crying out to this empty ocean all around him, I have created fire, and it's this, it's this great scene, uh, and and what we don't pay attention to, if you, if you watch the rest of the movie, he never lets the fire go out, and he uses that fire to cook food, he uses that fire for heat, he uses, he's living in a cave, he uses it for light, Later on, when he tries to make a raft to get off the island, he used the fire to kind of burn some branches because he doesn't have an axe to cut branches with. I mean, there's all these different things that he used to try to survive while he's on this island and, and make his life better. And he needed the fire for it. And he never fully let that fire go out. Now, I've told this church family before, I need really simplistic, you know, metaphors. And this is one of them. If he had ever let that fire go out, it would have affected every aspect of his life on that island. He would have lost his ability to cook food. He would have lost his ability to keep warm. He would have lost his ability to even try to get off the island. All that would have been gone if that fire had gone out. Folks, when we let the fire that is burning in us because of our relationship and connection with God, if we ever let that go out, it affects everything. It's not just my church life. It's my life. When that fire goes out, it affects my marriage, it affects my parenting, it affects my relationship with my parents, it affects my friendships, it affects my job performance, it affects my, the decisions I make, it affects you know, how I treat other people, it affects my attitude, it affects my mental health. There's so many things attached to that fire that's burning in me because of my relationship with God. And when I let that go out, it's not just the distance, it affects every part of my life. So as we wrap up this morning... We need to be honest with ourselves. How's that fire right now? How healthy is it? Is it barely smoldering? Is it a consuming flame? Is it somewhere in between? What's my relationship with God like right now? Because if it's not healthy there's so much more in my life that's unhealthy as well. So here in a moment, we're gonna sing a song together. And we're not gonna ask anybody to, to come forward or or, or share, but we wanna offer that opportunity. And when this worship service is over, if you wanna find me, find one of our shepherds, even tap the shoulder of the person next to you and say, I, I used to have this burning fire in my life for God and it's not there anymore and I need help. I, w- I want it again. I want that connection again. I want that relationship again. We will do whatever we can to help make that happen. Believing that God will, it will is already moving to make that happen this morning. If you're here this morning, if you're watching with us online, and you've never had that fire in your heart before, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never confessed his name, you've never repented of your sins, you've never been baptized in the blood of Christ, you don't know what it's like to have that fire inside of you, we can make that happen today too. You just come find us I'm ready. I'm ready for that relationship. Or even if you have questions about it, I want to know what that's like. I want to know what the process is. Ask us. We'll answer all the questions that we possibly can. If you can't find us this morning, come get online, message us, call our church office, whatever. Folks, don't come in here with a cold fire in your heart and leave with the same status. Leave with the same smoldering embers. Let's get back to where God always wanted us to be. Let's expect him to move in that direction for us. Let's create a place where he can be an active part of our lives again. And however our church family can do that, can help do that, we want to. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for today. Thank you for the time to worship and sing and pray. Thank you for the ability to, to listen to you, speak to us. Thank you for this story of of Elijah and what he did in asking you to bring fire, not just to a sacrifice, but to the hearts of your people. And God, I ask right now that you do that again, that you create in us an enthusiasm, a zeal, a fire for you and that you use us to bless the lives of other people because of our connection with you. God, if there are people here in this room, if there are people who are watching online who have, who have for whatever reason, maybe, maybe not really by any fault of their own, have allowed that fire to die out, would you start to rekindle that flame today? For those, God, who have never known what it's like to hear your voice, to have your spirit living in them, to, to know what it's like to have that fire in their souls, would you, would you begin that process today? God, we believe that you can fix, that you can repair, that you can restore, that you can rekindle. And we pray and expect you to already be moving to answer that prayer. We pray that you do that for all of us today. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: I stand to praise you but I fall to my knees my spirit is willing but my flesh is so weak
3: It's great to see everyone this morning and you know what it's a special day this is our first day for children's worship in over a year and another thing another thing is it's just the first step because we've got a great audience this morning but we're going to get more people here the fire here that Marshall's talking about It's going to go. It's going to go up, okay, in that situation. So if you're visiting with us, we're so happy to have you here. And if you would like to, please stick around. We'd be glad to talk to you, answer any questions you have, and join this family. Join this church family as we watch this spark grow, as we're excited because of the fact that Flagstone is getting back to where it was. If you've been here 10 plus years and seen the story, seen the life of Flagstone, we're getting back each step, slowly but surely, and God's got a plan, and the leadership here has a plan, and we're going to be the greatest in church in Northwest Arkansas. How about that? All right. Hey, a uh, couple other things, um, offering, uh, there's baskets in the hallway. If you would like to make a donation to the, the uh, church here, if you'd like to do it online, uh, here's on the board and on at home, it uh, should be on your TV, the opportunity offered that way. We talked about one of the great things about Flagstone is helping. The leadership here truly believes uh in in that in the power of prayer in the helping a people to become stronger better people in that and so if someone does need to talk to someone this morning please we'll be in the hallway i'll be there marshall will be there uh, other shepherds will be there please let us know we would love to help help people that are struggling if you're online if you come up Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, if there's one day that you're struggling, please go to our webpage, flagstone.com. There is a list of the leadership and some information, email, phone number, uh, in that. Please reach out. That's what we're here for, is to help. Okay? Let's go ahead and stand, and I'll lead us in a prayer. And then uh, uh, we'll have one more song. Thank you for being here this morning. Darren. Father, we come to you now just thanking you for the opportunity to talk to you in prayer. Darren, Father, we know that you answer our prayers. And we are so thankful for that. We're thankful for this great audience this morning. We thank you for the ability that Marshall has to bring your word through him to us. And help us to absorb it, and apply it to our lives, so that we can make ourselves better, but also help others, help others to grow closer to you, and help your kingdom to grow. Darren, far, we just again thank you for this this special day, that we were able to start children's worship up again, and touch all those little kids' lives. Darren, far, just. Uh, bless everybody, and let's all have a great week in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Hey, if you uh, have some, your kids are back here in the kids' worship, now is the time to go get them during this song. Let's not wait till afterwards. Let's do it right now, and that way we can be on our way here. Well, everybody's already standing. So let's sing one more, and then we'll be on our way. Mm-hmm. Blessed be your name In the land that is plentiful Where streams of abundance flow Blessed be your name Blessed be your name When I'm found in a desert place Though I walk through the wilderness Blessed be your name Every blessing you pour Turn back to praise, when the darkness closes in Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name.